0: The Deeper Riches Podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Cho, and as usual, I have with me my favorite theologian, David Cho. Hello, David. Hello. It is a new year, and um, we really didn't do New Year's resolutions this year, but like, what are you enjoying so far about
1: About the new year? Yeah. Other than inflation?
0: (laughs) I should mention that you are. Uh, You're in the finance industry, and so inflation and the economy is something we've been talking a lot about lately. Okay, but I
1: enjoying watching all the prices on groceries and gasoline go up?
0: And all of the stocks go down? And all the stocks go down. (laughs) That's a little bit depressing. What are you actually enjoying about uh, this year so far? What's new for you?
1: I think um, one of the things that you and I have kind of divided in terms of R- roles and responsibilities is you know I do a lot more of the cooking on weekends
0: yeah this is a new thing that I'm enjoying tremendously
1: and why is it a new thing
0: well because I took over as queen of the kitchen okay. hey that's not entirely bad I was embracing my god given role to you know nurture and feed and provide but it has gotten to a point where you know you don't know what's even in the refrigerator so, um, so, so what am I, doing, I well I'm super blessed now that you are before you were enjoying my cooking, yes, yes. Okay, but now I'm very blessed that you've kind of taken over the cooking on the weekend because that frees me up to spend more time in the Word and um, and enjoy. Because you actually are a food artist, like yeah. not professionally, but it's I'm really impressed. Like when I, I when I'm cooking, it's about like get the food on the plate. I'm thinking about the nutrition. I'm thinking about what you know. I'm thinking about making sure I serve enough food that my teenage boys are not hungry in five minutes. I'm thinking about using up what's in the refrigerator. I'm thinking about all that stuff. And when you're cooking, you're not only thinking about ingredients, you're thinking about, you're really thinking about flavor combinations and presentation and everything comes out looking pretty.
1: I think one, so there's a couple of things that are important when you're eating. One is you have to enjoy it. Mm -hmm. you have to enjoy the experience so it's not just the nutrition and the nutritional value the experience has to be something where you look forward to eating and what I noticed with our kids is that we were forcing them to eat ingredients that they did not want to eat and um so you know
0: you mean like vegetables
1: yeah Okay. Right.
0: Primari- Primarily vegetables. Raw
1: vegetables, and so you know, I, I like to watch. And quinoa,
0: quinoa is a thing they don't. I like, like to
1: watch cooking shows. And so what I notice is that there are different ways that you pair different kinds of flavors and different kinds of textures together. And so I just started experimenting with that, and um, and the kids, you know, they they like it, so I I continued on.
0: Yeah, they. I enjoy it as well. Um, it's it's really fun to eat things that are pretty, and so I'm thankful for that. And I also am thankful that I had. There's no pressure on me to also make things pretty. <laughs> I can th- I like to throw a bunch of things in a bowl.
1: Ta-da. I, th- I think that the kids can really taste the amount of caring that I put into yes. the preparation. Well, and-
0: the question that you always ask is, you know, what's the most important ingredient in cooking? And the answer is love. Yes. So most people say salt or water. Uh, love. And, and we can taste the love uh, in your cooking. So thank you for that. Thank you. You know, it's interesting that we started by talking about food because today we are doing an episode on fasting. And fasting is something that for our family is not brand new. We've been on a journey with fasting for about seven years, and so I'm hoping that today uh, we have a ton of different scriptures um, on our plate here to look through and talk about what does the Bible have to say about fasting, but I'm hoping also that you'll share your testimony with fasting and, and kind of how you started and why, and this is a topic that that is not super popular, so, yeah, so why I... do you think it's important for us to talk about this today?
1: I... I don't know. I mean, why did you pick this topic? <laughs> I
0: guess it was my idea.
1: Because well, uh, we, I, if you think it's not popular, then no one's going to listen to okay, this. Okay, well,
0: we, uh, the reason that I want to talk about fasting today is because fasting has been really, really powerful in our lives. Okay. And it's something that I have seen that the church, the American church, generally does not practice.
1: Okay. Like it's
0: a, It is a small minority of people that you talk to and find out that they actually have a practice, a spiritual discipline of fasting. Okay. And, I, and I want to talk about the reasons for that. But first, let's talk about what what is fasting. Okay, so fasting is going without food and or water mm-hmm. for a particular um, amount of time. In church history, we have we do have seasons of you know fasting. Like it's very common. When I was growing up, I always heard of people giving up something for Lent. Right. Um, that comes from the Catholic side of my family. Yes. And but that was often not exactly like what what we would call biblical fasting. Um, biblical in the Bible, the only type of fasting that's mentioned in the Bible and called fasting is is giving up food or food and water. Right. Uh, you don't have like fasting from Netflix in the Bible or fasting from sugar. You do have what we call a Daniel fast in the book of Daniel, in Daniel 1, when Daniel and his fellow Israelite young men are brought to Babylon and into the king's household. They uh, they refrain from eating the rich foods of the king's table, yeah. but uh, the word fast does not occur in Daniel 1. Right. So um, we call it uh, popularly a Daniel fast when you like don't eat meat yeah. for a period of time. But that is not technically called a fast in Daniel 1. But it is a form of fasting that Christians practice.
1: You know, you look at, I think, the Esther fast, which mm-hmm. was no food or drink for three days. Mm-hmm. And so it was a very particular fast where she is preparing to go to King Ahasuerus or Artaxerxes. Mm-hmm. And uh, she asked for her entire community,
0: yep, the believing community to fast
1: and pray on her behalf.
0: For favor with the king. For favor th- with and the that king. was also about deliverance for the entire uh, he- Hebrew people because they were right. under threat from an edict from the king. Um, so that's an example of a corporate fast where um, people fast together. Can you think of an example of a private fast? fast in well,
1: scripture? Well, you know, David, King David fasted and prayed as he was asking God to spare the life of his child. Mm-hmm. So there's that.
0: And Daniel in Daniel 9 fasts and prays as he sees the time approaching uh, that Jeremiah wrote about. There would be 70 years of exile. And as he sees that coming to an end, Daniel's fasting and praying um, um, and yeah. seeking the Moses
1: Lord. Moses fasts for 40 days when he goes up and Uh, spends time alone with God. Jesus fasts and prays as he prepares to get tempted by Satan. And it's uh, basically the inauguration of his public ministry. Um, The church fasted and prayed before they laid hands on Paul and Barnabas and commissioned them. So it would seem to me that at certain inflection points um, in life, that fasting and prayer precede.
0: That they precede certain events? Yeah. Okay. Um, So there are many reasons then to fast like we've just talked about. What are some reasons that a Christian today uh, might fast?
1: I think when you are facing an important decision, you want your thinking to be clear and not driven by the flesh. And so Fasting and praying is a means of distancing yourself from that constant impulse to feed your cravings Mm -hmm. because your brain uh, and your body is wired in such a way that you have impulses, Mm -hmm. fleshly impulses, that manifest itself primarily in eating. But, you know, the reason why we talk about like uh, Netflix fast or what have you is that there are. Lots of impulses in our flesh that are constantly coming up during the day. And food is basically metabolically and neurologically the most powerful uh, force because we are driven by glucose Mm -hmm. and insulin and and dopamine in terms of how our body metabolically processes different chemicals to, to function. So anyways, as you're fasting and praying... You're trying to get to a place where you're not Pavlovian. Pavlovian referring to when that famous scientist rang the bell and the dog would um, start to salivate in right. anticipation of food. Right. Uh, humans, uh, over the course of time, especially in the 20th century, when we had enough industrialization in our food production, we created three meals a day.
0: So three meals a day, what we take to be as normal that's not necessarily normal for throughout history.
1: I mean, to my knowledge, uh, for thousands and thousands of years, humankind has mostly been going long periods of time without eating. Uh, just think about hunter-gatherer societies, etc., or even farmer societies. You don't always have food. And that's evident all around the world. And it's only been since the industrialization of food production that we're able to eat non-stop.
0: So what you're saying is through most of history, it's more natural uh, maybe for the human body to have periods of fasting and periods of feasting. That you have periods of time where your body rests from eating and periods of time where you're storing up energy.
1: Well, our, our bodies are designed this way. And if you actually look at the uh, metabolic mechanisms that your body inherently has... You have the ability to consume glucose because mm-hmm. glucose is most readily available. Your liver stores uh, excess glucose in the form of glycogen. And then we have quite a lot of fatty tissues. And so once your glucose and glycogen are depleted, uh, you're able to go through a process called ketosis, access ketones, and that will feed your body actually for quite a long time. People Off are, of
0: the stored fat that you have. Yes. So so we have this idea, um, I think, you know, in modern society that if you miss a meal, that that's dangerous. Is fasting dangerous?
1: No, it's not. Because if you have fat, I mean, if you have no fat, yep. then it is. Okay. But if you have fat, and most people have above 10% fat, at some point in time, your body will switch mechanisms from Glycolysis. This
0: is when you're fasting,
1: yeah. Or if yeah. you just, even if you aren't fasting, but you don't have food, okay, you're able to access uh, ketosis and, mm-hmm. and access those fat stores. That's and what
0: those are. That's what they're there for, right? That's why your body stores up fat is to give you energy when you're not eating.
1: Yes. So you do feel hungry. Um, a lot of that is actually from your glucose spiking and because your sugar levels are spiking up and down during the day from these very sugary foods that we've put into our diet since the 20th century, um, that does cause quite a lot of discomfort. If you were to look historically at how much sugar Americans in particular are eating, You know, estimates range, but we're eating four to 10,000% more sugar than we did, you know, 300 years ago. So a lot of that feeling hangry, as people like to say euphemistically, is really glucose spiking. And what happens is you actually have a base level of dopamine. Mm -hmm. Dopamine is the neurotransmitter that is involved with motivation and seeking systems. And when you go below a certain base level of dopamine, it triggers a craving Mm. impulse for satisfaction. And if you use sugar as a means of that dopamine uh, fulfillment, you'll spike up and down. So that happens with sugar. That actually happens with chain smoking.
0: So it sounds like from what you're saying that the way that we eat nowadays makes fasting really hard because our bodies kind of go crazy The second we deprive them of sugar.
1: Yeah, I I mean, I think you're the one who told me that um, refined sugars are as addictive as cocaine. Yes, Um,
0: especially when combined with caffeine.
1: We've actually changed the makeup of the human body over the last hundred years through how we've industrialized food production and, and put a lot of sugar and salt and chemicals into our food.
0: So you've been learning, obviously, a lot about the science of fasting lately, and what it sounds like you're finding is that we came into fasting for spiritual reasons and still do fasting for spiritual reasons. There are physical reasons to fast as well. There is science behind that and medical reasons that it's actually healthy. So whereas most people are afraid that fasting is potentially harmful, and I should qualify this entire podcast in this moment by saying we are not medical doctors. We are not your doctor. If you're listening. So, you know, take, take what we're saying as information and a grain of salt, but not necessarily as medical advice. That being said, there are we're finding that that the learning about the science of fasting, of intermittent fasting and of longer fasting is really encouraging us in our practice of fasting because we're we're finding out that it's physically healthy for our bodies. But I wouldn't necessarily say that for the purposes of this podcast that we are on a soapbox arguing you should all fast for the physical reasons. Let's talk for a little bit about the spiritual reasons. Can you share your journey of fasting, how you started um, fast? why you started fasting, and kind of what's happened for you over the last seven years?
1: Yeah, I mean, I would say that I was at a pastor's conference with my dad, and one of the speakers gave a challenge to fast, and so I decided to do a very long fast. And uh, we went through that. It was very difficult because as your body is going through um, the withdrawals, there's a withdrawals process. As your body is uh, processing fats, you actually store up a lot of toxins in your fat. So you notice that.
0: Um, yeah, you were really crabby. You slept a lot. Yeah. You had no energy. Well, this was well, the had, very first time you did. A, I had like a, a long. Test. Yeah,
1: I mean, over decades, you're storing up a lot of toxic chemicals in your mm-hmm. fat so it's a very difficult fast but I think it was actually I, I my guess was 90 days later we noticed a lot of differences even in our our relationship
0: yes I would say while you were doing that fast and it was you were drinking water yeah. and I think you were doing some liquids sometimes yeah, was doing liquids, you and, so it was and like, you a, made some like bone 40 broth. days but you did some broth and maybe some juices and smoothies here and there, yeah. but, um, mostly just water. And I would say like, I was questioning at the time, like, why are you doing this? Because it didn't seem to be, um, having any positive benefit in the moment.
1: Well, you were very but angry at me cause I wasn't helping you. It was, it you was yeah, it, it
0: was an inconvenience to the family, yeah. um, at the time. But then I, in my memory, almost as soon as it, you finished the fast, like there was a dramatic change in you personally, um that i was seeing breakthrough in answer to prayers that i had prayed for you and just like an awareness of your own sin and repentance and and uh, it kind of felt like i had a different i was married to a different person like in a really good way
1: i'd say that you know in our marriage and in marriage in general what we've noticed is that you know the spouse tends to think the other person needs to change and certainly that was true with us mm-hmm and believe me i had plenty of things that i wanted you to change on Mm -hmm. but i determined in myself that you know i need to be responsible before the lord for myself Mm -hmm. and my own sanctification and and that so i just said lord i'm going to own up to all of my issues my sins and i'm gonna fast and pray about that and not worry about your issues
0: so part of what happens when you start fasting is, um, so three things I'm thinking of from what you just shared so far. One is if you haven't had a practice of fasting, when you begin fasting, it's painful because your body isn't used to it and you're detoxing a lot of things and it's it's very uncomfortable and you have to push past that to get to a place of regular fasting that's more tolerable. Um, the second thing that that I noticed is That when you're fasting, it doesn't mean that you don't sin. Like, actually, this idea of being hangry even is the fact that your body is kind of crying out, like, feed me, feed me. And you encounter just how weak you are. So fasting doesn't help you realize how strong you are. Fasting helps you realize how weak you are without food. The third thing is that when when you're fasting, you become more aware of your sin. And so part of the reason, one reason to fast, we're going to mention them kind of throughout the podcast, but another reason to fast is, is because you're struggling with sin and you want victory and you want to overcome. Um, It's a, it's a fasting of opening yourself up to let the Lord do some work in you that you're unable to do on your own. And that's where you saw a lot of breakthrough. Well, it's, you know, for it that.
1: says in Matthew 5, 6, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied, or they will be filled. And sometimes when your belly is full, you have an illusion that you're doing better than you actually are. That's, That's your point on, on how when yes. you're fasting, it reveals just how sinful you, you are when you're mm-hmm. hangry. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, you do repent because you realize how crappy you are and you realize mm-hmm. how easily agitated you get and all these things. And And then, you know, I would say to myself, along with meditating on Matthew 5, 6, is Lord, I, I want your righteousness more than I want food.
0: Exactly. And
1: I would say that to myself over and over. I'd rather have breakthrough than to eat
0: exactly
1: and so and that that is something I believe God is happy to answer so that was that was the beginning of that practice I did notice that lo and behold you know you saw that I was changing but then you started changing (laughs) yeah and so our marriage got successively better
0: when you fast do you always do a 40-day fast like that I mean that's really long
1: I mean, mostly I do like, uh, one day fasts. So after, after that, we just started a general practice of doing, um, let's say three meal fasts Mm -hmm. so that you can call that like a 36 hour fast. Um, And that
0: would be like once a week.
1: Yeah. Once a week. I I mostly do intermittent fasting, Mm -hmm. which is just two meals. Yes. Um, so there's. I'd say we have we mix it up mm-hmm. we do three-day fast we do
0: we've done some Daniel fasting where we've eaten just vegetarian I'd say
1: I'd say every every year we do at least a Daniel fast and then we also do Ramadan fast so mm-hmm.
0: tell me about that because Ramadan is um is the Muslim is a Muslim holy month yeah so we're not, fasting. we're not this fast We're not Muslim we're not
1: Muslim we're not trying to be Muslim
0: okay so um first of all tell me how is Christian fasting different from Ramadan fasting? And then why do you fast during Ramadan or around Ramadan?
1: Well, yeah, I, I'd say I mostly do like a liquid fast during Ramadan. Mm-hmm. So I'm not... In, You're
0: not matching what... So well, Muslims, in, Muslims fast from sun, sun up, sunrise to sunset, sunset and they, and they have do
1: nothing. No water. So they're doing a form of intermittent fasting right. for 30 days and at sundown... Till sun up they're eating so they right. actually eat quite a lot yeah it's, it's actually
0: a feast time some people a lot of people gain weight during that time because they're you gather with friends and family and have really big feasts as soon as the sun goes down every day yeah so it's not a month of fasting that's like a month with no eating it's a month of no eating when the sun is up
1: yeah so you know it says in it, it says in isaiah chapter 58 Is not this the fast that I choose, Isaiah 58, 6, to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, and to break every Mm yoke? When I'm fasting at the same time as Ramadan, Mm -hmm. so it's not a Ramadan fast at the same Mm -hmm. time, we're just praying that God does a spiritual breakthrough for the sake of the gospel Mm -hmm. in the Muslim world, that there's a highly, highly, highly resistant block Um, called Islam, and all the people groups that are um, Islamic, and we pray that um, Jesus would Mm -hmm. reveal himself Mm -hmm. to them. Mm -hmm. And we do know uh, from lots of different missionary stories that Jesus does visit Muslims in dreams, and he reveals himself directly. And then we ourselves, as we've gone to the nations, we've encountered people who are ready to receive the gospel. And so we Mm -hmm. tie it directly to uh, this preparation called fasting.
0: One of the ways that Christian fasting is different than Muslim fasting is that we we fast all year, not just during one month. And we don't have a prescriptive word from the Bible that tells us exactly when we must fast, right. You know, not in the New Testament. It's assumed that we will fast in the New Testament, and we'll talk about that in a little bit but uh, we have a lot of freedom. We have a tremendous amount of Christian freedom. So we often do a Ramadan fast. This year during Ramadan, this past year, I actually chose specifically not to fast during the month of Ramadan. I think I did like a Daniel, like I, I ate vegetarian, but I chose to eat my meals specifically to demonstrate to my Muslim friends the freedom that I have in Christ, that I am not um, bound by a set of rules so you did a
1: ramadan feast
0: (laughs) yes i well i can i prayed and i i chose to not i chose to go without meat during that time as a way of still reminding myself to pray but i i um i you know christian fasting is not about following some rules It's not about trying to manipulate God to do what we want him to do. It's not works righteousness that we're somehow more holy or like special if we fast or earning brownie points with God. Um, And that's really what sets it apart. We fast. I think think
1: people are very confused about this though. Yeah. Why, Why do you think people think it's about earning brownie points?
0: I think it's very easy to slip into legalism with spiritual disciplines. It's very easy. But our our that's flesh tr- that's true with any spirit. Exactly. Discipline. Our flesh wants to like take credit for or or come up with a way to manipulate this thing, religion, into being about, if you do this, then you get this. Like a gumball machine. You put in this and you get out this. And fasting, we fast because of you know, God just likes it that way. Why does he ask us to pray when he can do everything without our prayers? He, he likes it that way. It's a way that he allows us in to participate in the work that he's doing and to be encouraged in our faith as we see him answer specific prayers. And fasting is like that. Fasting for me is like praying with my body. It's like a form of prayer. And I actually um, have said before, like one of the reasons I fast is because I'm not that great at remembering to pray for things and for people. I get very distracted through the day. And when I get those hunger pains, it reminds me to pray. So I often have a specific focus for a fast of who I'm praying for or what I'm asking God for. And then um, that, that reminds me. But fasting is a longing. It's a hunger. It's choosing to make your body physically hungry to remind you how hungry you are for God. Just like you said earlier, God, I want you to do this or move in this way or give me more of yourself, or set me free from this sin, or heal this person, or heal this marriage more than I want to eat right now. So it's a it's a longing. It's a longing for God. It's a longing to see God work, and um, and that is what sets it apart because it's not a religious act. If it is a religious act in and of itself, that's exactly you were reading from Isaiah fifty eight it actually has no benefit as a religious act by itself. There may be some medical benefit that we talked about, but you know, in, in Isaiah 58, right before the part you were reading, he says to the the people say to God, "Why have we fasted and you see it not? Why have we humbled ourselves and you take no knowledge of it?" And God says, "Behold, in the day of your fast you seek your own pleasure and oppress all your workers. You fast only to quarrel and fight and hit. Fasting like yours this day will not make your voice to be heard on high. Is, is such the fast that I choose, he says. So, and then he talks later about, is this, is not this the fast I choose to loose the bonds of wickedness, etc. So fasting as a religious act, just to try to earn some brownie points with God, has no value at all. And that's what sets it apart, Christian fasting. We fast voluntarily. We fast by choice. We fast because we long for God. And we long to see him move. And I don't know how it works, just like I don't know how prayer works. It's a type of prayer. It's a form of physical praying that we ask God to move. And he likes it. He just likes it. That's all I can tell. But where do
1: you get sure. the idea that God likes fasting?
0: Well, he says that this is the fast that I choose. Also because Jesus mentions mm-hmm. That in the Sermon on the Mount, yeah. he talks about when you, in Matthew 6, when you give to the poor, mm-hmm. do it this way. Yeah. When you pray, do it this way. When you fast, do it this way. Right. And so he is assuming that the people of God will fast. It's something that is uh, expected. He talks about how not to do it. Don't, you know, do it as for show. Right?
1: Yeah, so he says in Matthew six eighteen, seventeen 17, and 18, When you fast, you your head, wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So he does like it.
0: Yes, he will, the there's a reward for fasting. Yeah. When it's done for the right reasons with the heart that is humble, not to show but what are the right reasons? Well, I think, like I said, like a longing for God, a desire to see him move when it's connected to uh, prayer.
1: Doesn't I mean, doesn't it have to do with, in Mark 2, when the Pharisees are asking, why don't the oh, disciples yes. fast? So
0: this gets into fasting versus feasting, right?
1: Uh, this is 2.18. Now, John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting. And people came and said to him, Why do John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? Jesus said to them, Can the wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast.
0: Yes, so Jesus, both here and in Matthew 6, seems to assume that his people will fast. Now the disciples, when they have Christ physically with them, they don't fast. But when the bridegroom is taken away, they will fast.
1: So actually what you're implying is that there's a longing for Jesus to come back. Yes. That maybe the fasting is related to the idea that the bride is calling out to the bridegroom maranatha come quickly Mm -hmm. you know and so that's directly tied to jesus saying if i'm not here i'm expecting you to fast and pray that i return
0: there is a longing that is about fasting it is longing it's longing to see christ return it's longing to draw nearer to god it's longing to have freedom from sin it's longing to for god to glorify himself in the world and um, I think when in, in Luke, when you have that section about the Lord's Prayer, when the disciples ask him how to pray, and the first thing he tells them is, you know, to pray, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. There's a real longing for that. And then he says, give us each day our daily bread. Later in that chapter, he talks about how you should ask and seek and knock. If If you ask it will be given to you if you seek you will find if you knock it will be open to you and to me fasting is that pressing in asking is asking once in prayer and seeking is continuing to pray and the knocking fasting is like a knocking on the door of heaven and with the promised reward that if you knock it will be open to you and that's my interpretation
1: so i mean you know we have a, a fasting practice but it's not something that we've um, really strongly advocated, but with this podcast, it feels like you're advocating it. So what what yeah, is your I'm purpose? De- I'm I've...
0: definitely advocating fasting. Okay. So, um, you know, one of the things I wanted to ask you was, do you think that every Christian should fast? Yes. And is there any qualification on that? Like, no. would you say that there are medical reasons to not fast? Like I'm very, very tentative about encouraging fasting for, for example, a woman who has struggled with an eating disorder right. or a man. So I think if you have struggled with an eating disorder, then you, you can fast, but you need to do so with accountability.
1: Well, you know, it's really interesting. In the West, we have all of these qualifiers that aren't in the scripture. For mm-hmm. example, like don't engage in fasting without your doctor's um, you know well approval. The, the
0: frustrating thing for me about that is I've yet to had to speak with a doctor who understands fasting and the benefits of yeah benefits. so I so, mean
1: we have a we have a very difficult time that's in, difficult in the west with even how we view scripture right um and and so we it seems like it like you've let's say I won't say you've criticized me but you've certainly commentated that I spend, quite a lot of time trying to understand the science behind fasting. The, the fasting. And part of the reason why is um, a lot of Americans um, that I've found just won't accept the scripture.
0: Right. When they're Jesus f- says that when they, the bridegroom they, they, is they, gone, they'll they, fast, or when you fast, they, fast this way. People are it's very, not enough. They're
1: very dismissive. But when I start to talk about the science, people perk up, and like, oh, that's really interesting. Oh, well,
0: if there's health benefits, then maybe well, it's okay.
1: So, for example, like one there was a scientist who won the Nobel Prize in 2016 on the topic of autophagy and autophagy is simply the process by which your body heals itself when it is deprived of food
0: so that you're talking about a fast that say is longer than 3 days
1: yeah something like that where you get to you, a place where
0: your body starts to kill off what, bad
1: well what happens cells. is when you deprive your body of food and nutrients and, and there's different phases of autophagy and mm-hmm. I think a lot of scientists would say it begins at around 18 to 24 hours where mm-hmm. you have no nutrient intake, no caloric mm-hmm. intake. Mm-hmm. Your body starts to look for nutrients. Mm-hmm. Maybe by then it's burned through the glucose in your blood and the glycogen in your liver starts to engage in ketosis but the autophagy itself is uh, as you continue to go longer and longer let's say you're at around 72 hours your body will go down to the cellular level Mm -hmm. and even intracellular will go down to the mitochondrial level It'll it'll actually inspect within every cell of your body and it will look for Uh, basically parts of your cells that are non-functioning and it will start to dispose of it and it will look for plaque of proteins in your brain and it will start to get rid of those things and so there's a very powerful cleansing process that God has embedded inside of our body that when we fast it is overcoming these craving mechanisms to constantly shove food you know into our belly so fasting is one of the very 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 few metabolic mechanisms that uh, allow your body to go through autophagy
0: so and you so you're right you've been spending a lot of time looking at the science of this and i what i'm hearing you say is is the reason for that is because we have to overcome this mindset that missing a meal is harmful to our bodies that somehow right. we're harming our bodies by doing what the Bible says to do.
1: Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, it's one of those the re, one of the reasons why there's all these disclaimers and, and things like that is no one wants to get sued, right? right? I do not want to get for sued. for like giving advice yeah. and yeah. medical advice mm-hmm. and so we're not know,
0: giving medical advice on. this And then market.
1: there's you know people die from fasting and all this stuff, and so oh they said to fast and that person died, you know. People are scared, so everybody has to, when it comes to their own life and health, uh, take ownership and responsibility mm-hmm. for all their mm-hmm. own decisions. So I yeah. like
0: to use an example of the idea of being descriptive or prescriptive. And descriptive is just us describing what we do, and it doesn't right. mean others have to do the same. Right. Prescriptive is saying you should. So I would say the Bible prescriptively tells us to fast. Yeah. But it's not descriptive in telling us exactly what we must do. Right. And so there's a lot of Christian freedom there. I think it's a a journey. Everybody's on a journey with it. You've been on a journey. You started with that long fast, and then we've tried a lot of other things. And even now, I would say seven years in, we are more convinced of fasting. You know, descriptively, it's been my practice of fasting to fast two meals or three meals one day a week. And then uh, at the beginning of the month to do 72 hours, I went through some medical things uh, that we described in the last podcast where I, I took a break from fasting for a period of time to kind of try to figure out what's what's okay for my body. Um, and that's okay too. I've also had a period of time where I found that I was watching the scale too much. Like something that starts out with a good intent and a righteous um, motivation can very quickly, in the matter of, of a day, switch and, and become sinful. So I when I caught myself deciding whether or not I would stop my fast based on what the scale said, I had to immediately stop fasting like that and that's when I moved to a very structured I, I fast on Thursdays and then I fast you know uh, the first second and third day of the month or like so so that I couldn't use this the scale to tell me when to fast because yeah. then my motivation became about weight loss right So uh, so there's all kinds of things that can sneak in to this practice and we have to you know be on guard and and keep aware but you know the one thing we haven't talked about at all with this podcast that I am just dying to talk about okay is the benefits and I'm not talking about the health benefits of fasting yeah I'm talking about um, answered prayer I'm talking about spiritual benefits the, because for me, that's probably the number one reason I continue to fast. Yeah. So can you share some examples of things that we've seen the Lord do through fasting?
1: Well, I would say when we have fast and when I have fasted, it is the case that because you're not thinking about feeding your belly, you're thinking about people that you're praying for. Uh, Paul says in Colossians 1.24, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake and in my flesh, I am filling up what is lacking Christ's afflictions for the sake of His body, that is the church. So, there's something that Paul is talking about that reminds him when he's feeling some sort of a physical suffering to be praying for the church. And so, our... and I, would,
0: I would say Isaiah 58 as well backs that up. That the kind of fast that God desires is that that's focused on freeing the captives and yeah, removing so, oppression and so it's focused on others. We've
1: had. Many um, both opportunities to share the gospel with people that we've been praying for, and we've seen people come to faith in Christ. We've seen uh, people uh, get healed. Mm-hmm. You've been healed. I was healed I've through some. He-
0: you know, someone else was fasting for me. I've and been
1: I healed, healed mm-hmm. myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so we're just n- noticing, and maybe some of it is just a spiritual attentiveness because food maybe dulls our senses?
0: I, I don't believe it's just a spiritual attentiveness. I really have seen over the last seven years that every time we enter into a fast, uh, particularly the longer fast, three days, five days, days—you know, 21-day Daniel fast, these, these times we start to see God answer prayers in really big ways, prayers we have prayed for three years, prayers we've prayed for four years, prayers for uh, breakthrough in other people's marriages, Prayers for Breakthrough in our church or with ministry. Um, there, I, we, it, it feels like I often have said God is so kind to us because it's not unusual to see Breakthrough happen even after one day right. of fasting. And, and perhaps the attentiveness comes from the fact that you have been praying more or because you're fasting, you, you connect the answered prayer. to the fast. And it's often not how we expect it to look. It's very often completely surprising and shocking the breakthroughs that we see, but I I believe that most of the big breakthroughs we've seen in the last few years have coincided with periods of fasting.
1: Right, so that's where, you know, there's all sorts of, like, caveats and provisos of, like, you start out by saying, you know...
0: We're um, not manipulating God when we yeah. fast.
1: So, you know, we're saying we see these things... Yes,
0: experientially um, and just descriptively... We...
1: Um, believe that God is, let's say, moving in the heavenly realms, and um, yeah, it's it's a very complicated thing. So
0: when you asked earlier, why do I say God likes it? That's my number one reason. Because I see him reward it. I see him reward it. Not because... When we fast, we are manipulating him because he often doesn't do things that the way I wanted or asked, or it's often very unexpected. But I have a, There's a strong correlation in my experience. Right. So there
1: is a reward which he does promise in Matthew six. Mm-hmm. It's not give me this, right? But there is it's, a reward of some a, sort. It's
0: not a demanding. But
1: I, I would say you know. When you look at Luke 18, 7 and 8, it says, Will not God give justice to his elect who cry out to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice speedily. Uh, nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? And so when you engage in fasting, it is, in, to use your word, it's praying with your body, you're, you're crying out to God. Day and night, and you're mm-hmm. you're shaking the throne of, room yes. of heaven, and you're asking God to hear our cry and listen to our plea, and and we discover God is very attentive to our prayers. Yes, and it's a well. It's he a is a comfort. God.
0: He's a God who hears prayers, and so if you look at fasting just as a form of praying, it simplifies the questions down. Do we pray because we're trying to manipulate God? No, we wouldn't say that. So, so fasting, it's its the same thing. I, one scripture that struck me as we were preparing for this podcast was in Zechariah. It was one I hadn't been as familiar with before, where the people are asking the Lord, should we continue these fasts that we started? They started some monthly fasts um, in response to what happened to Jerusalem before the exile. where So they had a, a fast that would commemorate when... You know, Jerusalem was under siege and a fast to commemorate when the king was um, killed. Things like this. In, in Zechariah 7, they ask, like, should we, should we keep fasting? And in Zechariah 8, um, you know, this word comes to them from the Lord. And he says, and the word of the Lord of hosts came to me saying, thus says the Lord of hosts, the fast of the fourth month and the fast of the fifth and the fast of the seventh and the fast of the tenth shall be to the house of Judah seasons of joy and gladness and cheerful feasts. Therefore, love truth and peace. So there's this shift. He's promising them that though there was a time of fasting and crying out and asking God to move, there will be a time when those prayers are answered and it shifts to feasting. Yes. And I would say we've experienced that in our lives where... We are fasting. We have many seasons of fasting or times of fasting, and they're followed by feasting in a thankfulness and joyfulness because we've seen God move and answer our prayers. And we're talking about prayers that are prayed over years, not just in the one fast. Um, And I just love that because I think it's a picture of of even what we were talking about in Mark 2 with when the bridegroom is here, the disciples don't fast. But when the bridegroom is taken away, they will fast. And it is, there is this, we as Christians live in a time of waiting. Ultimately, there's we're waiting for many answers to prayer. And in this life, we will receive answers and be joyful. And our fasting will turn to feasting for a time in certain seasons. But, this entire time on earth that we live in this fallen world while we wait for the return of Christ to come and make everything new, it is a time of fasting. We are in the period of time where the bridegroom has been taken away. And though we have a lot of joy in his constant presence through his Holy Spirit and through the body of Christ, the church, we as a church on the earth are in a season of fasting. We're in a season of longing for His return and crying out for Him to come and crying out for His glory to cover the earth as the waters cover the sea, for Christ to return and to um, rule and reign, you know, with goodness and righteousness and justice and to right all the wrongs. Um, and so that the ultimate time of feasting, the wedding supper of the Lamb, is to come, but it is coming. And in any fast, you don't stay in the fast forever. It is it is a temporary time, just like this time is temporary.
1: I mean, so since we do live in the West and everybody has all these caveats and provisos around uh, the medical cautions of fasting, uh, what are you actually recommending people do if they if they listen to this and go, you know what, I'm I'm actually interested in in doing something? Um, what what would you? That's a recommend. really, really
0: good question. Um, I recommend that people start by picking one day of the week that they're going to fast. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, I don't think that you can judge fasting by trying one meal or two meals once and then being done with it. Like we talked about that your, um, your body, when you first get started, is going to rebel against this. Yeah. And so you have to train your flesh. Mm. So I would recommend uh, the first week you fast one meal. And the second week you fast two meals and then you do that once a week pick a certain day have it be the same day every week adjust that if you need to based on social obligations and um and then you know work up to three meals i do personally think that to fast three meals is easier than two meals because then my body is not thinking at 2 p.m what am i going to eat for dinner and when can i break my fast which happens to me when I do two meals. Three meals is easier. And then start to learn to recognize the pleasant feelings of fasting that come when you get past that hunger pain, when it's five, six o'clock at night and you're past it and you start to feel your your gut resting and and you feel that closeness to the Lord. Um, I would say uh, that's a great way to start. I think also finding other people, even though you know Jesus warns us not to fat, not to boast about our fasting because then our reward is just the approval of man instead of reward from the Father. Um, I do think it's helpful to have other people in camaraderie, especially as you're getting started. So if you can find a fasting buddy who's willing to fast with you and um, the same day of the week, you can encourage one another and text each other um, you know, prayer requests and encouragement and scriptures, um, that's a a great way to get started. What would you add?
1: Well, I I guess I would be less prescriptive than, than you. I would say to do your own research and, and you can, there is so much literature on the internet. You can type fasting and I would actually type the word autophagy, A-U-T-O-P-H-A-G-Y. And read the literature on fasting and autophagy and you need to be firmly convinced yourself Mm -hmm. not because of anything we say Mm -hmm. on on fasting go into the scriptures that we've referenced and read Mm -hmm. it yourself Mm -hmm. and then pick a path there's a lot of different doctors and medical professionals who can they have literally step-by-step ways to think about Mm-hmm. what you describe but mm-hmm. I I wouldn't want people to do anything because we said so. And um, I also
0: think like I think one of the challenges for us as Christians is is a lot of the literature that's out there is not about Christian fasting and it ignores the spiritual aspect. Right. And I think that is primary. It's the most important So like, for example, um, it's not, it's, it, it undermines my fast that when I'm really struggling and, uh, in a longer, in a longer fast, or even in a one day fast, I might have some tea with honey in it, um, to kind of help me get over the hump that, that goes against, like that does not help my ketosis or my autophagy, but, uh, I'm not fasting purely for physical reasons. I'm more fasting for spiritual reasons. And so that, uh, you know, choosing a focus every time that you fast for what you're going to be praying for, um, knowing why you're fasting so that when you feel hunger, when you feel tempted to take that snack or the meal, like to, to be able to pray like, God, I want to see you do this more than I want to eat this right now. That really helps me. God, I want to see you heal my friend more than I want to eat right now. That it just helps to get, get through that. So having a spiritual focus of prayer is really, really helpful. And yeah, like I, I think looking at the science and the literature helps to bolster the decision uh, to fast as well. So I, I do really recommend that. We've got a number of resources related to fasting that we will put in the show notes and post on the Deeper Riches website. Um, so if you want to do some reading on that, a uh, couple great Uh, Christian books about that. John Piper's got a book called A Hunger for God, which is probably the best uh, thing I could recommend to encourage you to fast and explain how it works and what what we're doing and um, the worship aspect of that. And then also Donald S. Whitney has a very popular book called Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life, and he has a chapter on fasting that's really great. Um, We've got some, some other resources we will post Uh, along with all of the scriptures that we alluded to or mentioned by reference in this podcast. Um, We'll put all of that on the website in the show notes for this episode. So uh, in the preface to his book called A Hunger for God, uh, John Piper says, Between the dangers of self-denial and self-indulgence, there is a path of pleasant pain. And that's fasting. It's this this path of pleasant pain pain, it's a little bit of physical suffering for the pleasure of a deeper intimacy with God and an awareness and attentiveness to answered prayer, an attentiveness to our dependence upon the Lord. And so what we are arguing for is not something that is more religion or religious activity or any kind of bondage or slavery to legalism. We are basically offering an invitation into the exciting journey of of seeing God answer prayer and transform not just our lives, but the lives of those we love through this practice, this beautiful and pleasant and healthy practice of biblical fasting. Would you close us in prayer?
1: Sure. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for... Your word. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you that you've given us means of grace and that you haven't left us as orphans in this world to be lost and untethered from the power that you give us to overcome sin, temptation, trials, and tribulations. And we do believe that fasting is one of those means. So may all the listeners really study the scripture and be convinced themselves what the word of god has to say and and we do believe that there's breakthrough in store for everyone in jesus name amen